All right, as we continue in our Christmas series uh, this morning and, and la- end it this morning, we're going to end in Luke chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. We're going to read this first this morning. The most important thing we do each and every Sunday as we gather is open this book and read, read its words because we believe with all of our heart that every word in this book should be read, R-E-D, because they're all the words of Christ and as we read them, Jesus is speaking to us. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, the words of our God written by Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, say this, and in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has uh, happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. You may know this, but my favorite Christmas movie is The Grinch. And I don't mean the animated one or that new one. I mean the Jim Carrey, the Grinch. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I heard a boo. (laughs) There's the door. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I take it back. But in the, in the live action, the Grinch with Jim Carrey movie, there's this moment where Cindy Lou Who, uh, feeling sad and moved uh, by and for the Grinch, uh, there's this moment where the whole town gathers together and the mayor you know, is up there and, and, and they're going to decide who is going to be nominated holiday cheermeister. And the mayor thinks it's going to be him and wants it to be him and he's got to get it all, all figured out. But before it can be nominated that it's going to be him and he's going to be holiday cheermeister, old little Cindy Lou Who pipes up and she says, I nominate the Grinch. And everybody's like, huh? Huh? And they're doing this back and forth thing. And, 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 and they're like, the Grinch won't come. And, and, what, and they're like, whatever. And when he won't come, the mayor will wear the crown. Right? And so she climbs the mountain, finds the Grinch, his house, goes up there, invites the Grinch to come down the mountain to join the festivities, to be holiday cheermeister. And he says, holiday hoobity-whatty. 
And then he goes through this whole thing about whether or not he's going to go. And, and you can see in his heart, like, there's a part of him that really wants to go. But then he looks at his calendar and he says, I have to, you know, the self-loathing, I can't cancel that again. And then he's like, but I have nothing to wear. And he trots out all these different things. And then he says, okay, I'll go, but I'll be fashionably late. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. And then his dog opens the hatch and he goes down and he shows up and he's still skeptical. He's still not sure that the who's actually one of him. He really thinks the whole thing is a joke to embarrass him and to get him. So he shows up and he's kind of skeptical and he walks up the stairs and he says, the girl said something about a check. No, I didn't. Okay, fine. But there's an award. And he goes up there and they crown him and then, and then he's in, right? And then they do all the festivities. They're shoving pudding in his mouth and all these different foods and they're, and they're carting him around. And he does the sack race and he knocks kids over and he, he wins the race and he's one of them. He's a who. He's holiday cheermeister and everything is going well. They've accepted him and it wasn't a, it wasn't a ploy. It wasn't a trick to, to get him, to embarrass him. It, they really wanted him there and all was going well until the moment the mayor says, okay, here's a gift and he opens the box. And he says, it's a gift of a Christmas shave. And it brings back this old memory where he shaved his green beard and was a hack job. And it was all bloody and all messed up. And everyone laughed at him. And he opens the box and he sees the clippers and he sees everyone laughing again. And he flips a switch. And he says, you know what? I know they didn't really want me. And he goes and he burns down the Christmas tree, wreaks havoc everywhere. And he goes back up to Mount Crumpet to his home, and he says, I've got to stop this Christmas from coming. I think there are some times when we can feel like the Grinch deep down, that deep down we want to be connected, or we want to be a part of something. We may want to be a part of a church. We may want to be closer to God. We want to be connected but we are too afraid to try, too afraid to stick around, to stick our neck out and, and fear that our true selves will be found out, that everyone would actually see the fraud that we are, that if we actually showed up and stuck our neck out and tried to join, that people would see our true self and that we would feel the same shame and rejection that the Grinch faced when people saw us for who we were. So we figure maybe it's better to stay away. Maybe it's easier to stay hidden. Maybe it's easier if I keep my distance and, and don't really plug in, don't really join, don't really get close, keep a distance. You know, I can remember feeling like this. I remember growing up in church, and, and honestly, when I, was, when I was a kid up until 10, 11 years old, I hated church. It was the most boring, awful thing in my life. I remember going and having to open up that book where the songs were in, thinking, I can't read this. What in the world? How am I, what is this? And, and, and I remember going and, and, and feeling like sitting there that I stood out like this sore thumb that everybody else knew how to open that song book and read it and, and sing those songs. Everybody else was wearing the right clothes and seemed to fit in. Everybody else could listen to the preacher and understood what he was saying. And I was just lost and confused. And so I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb. That everybody looked at me and knew that I didn't belong. And so the things of God and the church made me uncomfortable. 
It was stuffy. It was scary. I was afraid people would see me as the fraud I was. And so, honestly, I'd rather just not go to church at all because surely I could just believe in God from the comfort of my own home and my own ordinary life. I watched my parents experience a very similar thing. They would get invited to to a different church uh, now and again. They'd get invited to come see something. And I can remember this picture in my mind of them standing at the closet door, scanning the racks. And eventually resigning themselves to say, I have nothing to wear. We can't go. I'd say, but mom, look, look, I got all this stuff. Yeah, I just have nothing to wear. See, they feared that if they walked in looking the wrong way, that people would catch them. They felt the same way that I did, that they were outsiders, unable to get past that feeling that God and everyone else would see them as outsiders. And so in short, it was easier to just not risk it. It was easier to stay home. It was easier to not come and and let people see our faults and let people uh, get the looks and the stares and feel rejected and judged and feel different. It was easier to just not do it at all. Maybe you felt that way. Maybe you have felt like everyone's eyes were on you. That God included could see through the mask that you put on that morning. Hiding your faults, hiding your insecurities, pretending like you belonged, but knowing deep down everyone could see you didn't. Maybe you have run from the church because you have been hurt and wounded by someone in a church, by what they said or did. Maybe, maybe you stay away because you feel like you could never be good enough. You would always feel like an outsider, never part of the club. Maybe you have run from God while you wanted to be connected to him, when you wanted to know him, but you look at it and you say, you know what, this is such a daunting task. You don't feel like you know enough. You don't feel like you understand enough. You feel like you've missed your chance. You feel like maybe it's too late for me to know God that way because the Bible's too hard to read and it's just easier for me to kind of believe what I know now from a distance and hope it's enough. Maybe like me, you have felt like the Grinch and deep down you want to be welcomed back into this family. You want to join the festivities. You want to be a part. You want to be close, but it's easier to keep your distance and stay away and stay hidden because to risk it, Get close, people might see you for who you are. And if that's you, you're not alone. If that's you this morning, you are not alone because I'll tell you this, every one of us in this room feel inadequate. Every one of us in this this room have felt like failures. Feel like that we're not good enough for God, not good enough for his people. And not only do we feel like that a lot, but so did the shepherds in this story, the Christmas story. We just read this passage in Luke about the shepherds, and growing up, I always wanted to be in the Christmas plays. You know, we'd have these big Christmas plays, and you know, no one could be baby Jesus because that was usually a baby or some kind of you know doll, and so that wasn't it. And I couldn't be Mary because I'm a boy, and so it was either Joseph. And if you didn't get to be Joseph, the next best thing was maybe you could be a wise man or a shepherd. And so everybody wanted to be a shepherd. Be a shepherd was cool. You got this big fake beard you could wear. You get to wear this cool Jedi robe and carry like a, a stick that you, before the thing, could swing around like it was a lightsaber. And so everybody's excited to be a shepherd. But in real life, in real life, being a shepherd wasn't awesome. Being a shepherd was hard and terrible. Did you know 
that shepherds occupied the lowest class in Jewish society. See, we have this backward picture of shepherds because when we think of shepherds, you know, we think of David, King David, who was a shepherd. He fought off lions and bears and this cool dude as the shepherd. We think of the Christmas plays and the shepherds are this big deal in the Christmas plays. But we think of shepherds as farmers of a different time. But that's not what shepherd was. Being a shepherd was for the lowest class of Jewish society. They were the ultimate unskilled laborers. They couldn't do anything else, and so they were shepherds. It was literally a job for children. If you've ever been around sheep, you know how dumb they are. The dumbest animal on the planet, and so all you got to do is have a kid with a stick and do this, and they'll, stay, they'll, they'll go wherever you tell them to go. And so there is literally a job for children. And so if you were still a shepherd when you were an adult, you were basically a failure at life. They were viewed so low that they actually had no legal standing. And so if they witnessed a murder, they could not, and there was a trial, and they were the only witness, their word would not be trusted in a court of law. That's how low in society they were. Their word would not even be trusted. I mean, imagine how much they stink, how dirty they were. They're unskilled. They stay outside, living all the time outside, with sleeping with stinky, dirty sheep. They were outcasts. No one wanted them coming to town. They were to stay out in the fields taking care of their sheep. Not only that, but they were particularly looked down upon because they would just take these sheep anywhere. Wherever there was grass. There was grass in your backyard. They'd roll them sheep right up in there. They wouldn't ask your permission. Uh, They'd just roll in there and, and eat wherever they wanted, took them wherever they wanted to take them. They didn't care who the land belonged to. They were outcasts. They were unwanted. They were outsiders. A shepherd couldn't just go walking into town like a normal person. They would have had those stares. They would have had those awkward looks like, what are you doing here? Go back out into the field tending to your flock by night. You shouldn't be here. So that's who shepherds are. We might have wanted to be them in the Christmas play, but in real life, you don't want to be a shepherd. And I think sometimes we feel like shepherds. I think sometimes we feel like we don't belong, that we're outcasts, that we don't quite fit into the club, into the group. I think sometimes we we, we kind of keep our distance from the things going on in the church or, or from church altogether. We keep ourselves at distance from God or getting involved or too close because we feel like we will receive the same looks shepherds would if they walked into the town. We feel like uh, behind our backs, people would say, my gosh, what are they doing here? I ain't seen them in a while. We feel like people would look at us and say, wow, why do you think they're serving in that area? Who let them do that? Oh, did you know that they did such and such? Sometimes we don't enter in because we are afraid we won't be welcomed in. That we will be looked at in the same way these outcast shepherds are. We're afraid we'll be looked at like that. So like them, we are often afraid that people won't love us, that they won't accept us. But that's not all. Notice how the shepherds respond when the angels show up. Verse 8 says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with joy. No, that's not what it says. And they, see the angel, and they were filled with excitement. 
I wouldn't. No, they see the angel and they were filled, filled with laughter. I wouldn't. No, they were filled with great fear. So here's these shepherds and they're minding their own business and they're, they're keeping their sheep and, it, and it's nighttime and, and they're just minding their own business, doing their sheep thing and all of a sudden, boom, this light shines. And you can imagine them putting their, their hands up in front of their eyes like, what is happening? What is going on? Probably blinding them. And then they see this angel, this like real life angel standing before them. Imagine what that would be like where you could literally feel the glory of the Lord pressing the weight down upon you. It's not just bright, but you could somehow, and I can't even describe it because I've never felt it, but the glory of the Lord hovering and pushing on you and almost every sense that you have is overwhelmed by this. And you remember Moses, who's a holy dude in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai, just sees the back of God and his face is sunburnt. And so here are these shepherds, and the weight of the glory of God is pressing upon them, and they're blocking the light. They feel the glory of the Lord all around them, and what is their immediate response? Great fear. They see this, and they are terrified. They're afraid. They're trembling. But why are they afraid? Shouldn't it be an exciting thing for, for an angel to show up? They're afraid because every sinner in the entire Bible, whoever stands in the presence of God or sees an angel, is afraid that God in his perfect holiness and goodness will bring swift and complete judgment. Anytime a sinner stands in the presence of God, the immediate thing that comes to our mind is, woe is me, I am am bad and I'm going to get found out. And so here are these outcasts, these lowly, lowly shepherds being met by the messenger of God. And like every other person in the Bible, they're afraid, afraid that their sins have finally caught up with them, that they're going to be found out, that God has had enough with them, that God is tired of putting up with them, that God has come to put a stop and going to wipe them out. You can imagine them with their hands covering their face, almost bracing themselves for impact, bracing themselves for the mighty hand of God to come down and crush them. They're afraid of God. And I think we so identify with that. I think we have so often felt the same thing. I think so often we're afraid that if God really knew me and knew our secret sins, if he knew me for who I really was on the inside, that he would come and crush me too. We believe, I think sometimes we're afraid that God, if he knew me, wouldn't love me. That he wouldn't want to be around me. That he would just come and, and want to make my life miserable. I feel like sometimes we think we can't come to church or be around the things of God because it just makes us feel guilty. It just makes us feel bad. And we, and we feel like that if we don't fix our life first, if we don't straighten things up and get our life together and our act together and clean up all the mess in our life, if we don't do that, we think when we show up, God is just going to come lay the smack down on us. And so we live in fear of God. Fear that we don't know enough, and so God can't really, we can't really know him. Fear that the mistakes of our past will define our future. Fear that we can't come and be a part of the church in any deep and meaningful way because God knows what's really in our heart, and he really knows us, and he wouldn't want us. And if those people knew us, they wouldn't want us either. For a long time, I felt this way. 
For a long time, I felt like my sins would catch up with me and that no matter how much good I did, no matter what I tried to do in my life, I could never fix it up enough. I remember laying in my bed for years, night after night after night, praying the same prayer. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Make me better. Help me to be a better person. Forgive me. Don't be angry at me. Save me. God, if I didn't mean it last night, I mean it tonight. I remember praying that again and again and again, feeling like my prayer never got past the ceiling. That God was done. He wasn't going to listen to me. That I had used all of my chances. I never really felt like it took, and so I lived in fear. Fear that my mistakes could never be undone. Fear that God would never and could never accept me. See, the fear of the shepherds, I think it hits closer to home to us than we might care to admit. I think that we keep our distance from church. We keep our distance from God and the things of God because it's easier to put our head in the sand than it is to face the good Lord and hope for good news. But good news is precisely what we need. And it is exactly what the shepherds hear. That when they see God and they are afraid, they hear the only message that, they, that would transform their lives. Good news of great joy. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not. Just relax. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Not okay news for okay joy. Good news for great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, we would think that in our wisdom that when God was going to announce the birth of his son, that he would want to do that to some powerful people. People that could help him get his message out. We would think that when God was going to, you know, do the, the, the birth announcement like we all do on all of our social medias and it's a big deal. Oh, the baby's born. Oh, yay. We would think God would want to make that a big deal to the powerful people and the rich people and the influential people. We, I mean, that's who we would think God would want to go to. But God is announcing the most important news in the history of the world to these outcast nobody shepherds. These shepherds are the first people to know that the king of kings has been born, that the savior of the world has been born. They are the first people invited to come and see this newborn king. They are the first to know that the promises of God that have been told for thousands of years have now come true. But why them? Of all people, why not the powerful people? Why is it these stinky, lowly shepherds that get this news? Because it is precisely shepherd-type people, outcast, broken, lowly-type people for whom God was coming to rescue the announcement came to the shepherds because God wants to make it very, very clear to them and to the whole world that his son is coming, the savior, the rescuer is coming for them and people like them. People the world has treated poorly. People who have made mistakes, people who have failed, people who by worldly standards are lowly. You see, by announcing this good news of great joy to the shepherds and calling them to go see the newborn king for themselves, do you know what God was doing? By announcing this news to these shepherds, you know what he was doing? God was inviting them into his story. He was inviting them into his family. He was letting them know 
The world may have forgotten about you, but I haven't forgotten. You have not been overlooked. You are not unimportant. You are not nobody. You are not so broken that I cannot make you whole. No one else may want you, but I do. And so the God of the universe comes to lowly poor shepherds and invites them into his family. And what does the angel say to them first? The first thing out of the angel's mouth is fear not. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of God. God has not come down with his finger to squish you. He has not come to punish you. He's not come to judge you. He has not come to expose you and your failures to the world. He has come to save you. And he didn't send a servant. He's come to save you. He's come to redeem you. And he didn't send a servant. He didn't hire a professional to come do the job. No, he came himself. God so loved these broken, poor shepherds and people like them, people like me, who are broken, messed up. He didn't send some servant. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a professional. He came himself. It's good news. That God so loved you and so cared about you and so wanted you that he came himself for you. You don't need to be afraid. God is not after you to punish you. He is coming after you to bless you. And isn't it interesting that he announces this glorious news to this group of people whose word would not be taken seriously in a court of law. He doesn't care. They don't care. And after they go and see the baby Jesus, they go and tell everyone what happened. And they don't care what people think about them at this point. They don't care the looks they get. They said, this is the good news for the world. The king has arrived, and it changed them, and they tell everyone they see. They start out fearing God, but after hearing this good news that this king has come to redeem them and save them and rescue them, they go home singing and praising him. You see, the news of Christmas changes them, and it can change you too. Because you do not have to feel like an outcast. You don't have to be afraid of being a fraud or a failure. You don't have to worry about living up to some standard because every one of us fail every day. And the good news is that the Savior was born so that he might live a perfect life for you and die your death for you. The story of Christmas is when you come here, when you come here and you place your faith in Christ, you are not an outcast. You are not a fraud. You are not a hypocrite. You're family. You don't have to live in fear that God is going to catch you, that everyone else is going to find out just who you really are, and that he will be angry and everyone else will hate you. The good news of great joy is that his mercy and his grace and his love never, ever, 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 ever run out. See, really, we're all just a bunch of shepherds. And do you remember what changed the Grinch's heart that day? You remember what made his heart grow three sizes too big? He finally learned what Christmas was all about. You see, when you realize that Christmas is God inviting you 
into his story. God inviting you into his family. Warts and all. Failures and all. That he came for you. When you realize that it will change you so much that you won't live in fear or regret about your past anymore, but you will be able to sing praise to God hand in hand with a bunchy bunch of stinky shepherds like me and you. There was a college campus where there was this kind of an eccentric guy who um, came to know the Lord through his college ministry. And he was the kind of guy who, he's kind of a hippie-looking dude, you know, kind of had like the ponytail, but like hadn't washed his hair in a long time, kind of greasy, and kind of had like a shirt with a whole bunch of holes in it, and, uh, you know, tattered up jeans, and, and look at weird-looking shoes, and just, just, you look at it, it was like, that dude's a little weird. And he had been invested in his college ministry, came to know the Lord in college, and, and that kind of ministry, BCM kind of thing, and and one day he decided he, he hadn't been to an actual church yet, and he wanted to go to a church. And so there was a church in walking distance on the, near the campus, and, and so he walked to it. He didn't know anything about it. It was this Baptist church, and he walked in, and this was like a very traditional church. And so he walked in, and it was packed. Service had already started, and he was a little late. You know, there were a couple songs in, and as he's kind of walking in and looking around, he realizes, man, there ain't a seat left. But this, this dude's weird. He's kind of awkward. He's you know, kind of that kind of eccentric kind of dude. And so he just kind of walks up the aisle and just sits on the floor. He sits there, and you can imagine all the people around him kind of going, what is going on? What is that dude sitting on the floor for? But then this older gentleman comes walking up behind him. Suit, tie, Slicked back gray, silver hair, cane. You hear the cane thud as he walks up the aisle and everyone's kind of looking like, oh gosh, what's he going to do? He gets up behind that man and he bends down, he drops his cane and he says, can I sit here too? And he sits down and he holds out his hand he says, welcome, friend. That's the story of Christmas. Everyone thinks you're an outcast. You think you're an outcast. You think you're too broken. You think you're not good enough. You're afraid that God will be angry at you and that we won't love you if we know who you really are. But let me tell you something. Every one of us are just a bunch of stinky shepherds. But that's exactly for whom Jesus came. Join the club. Jump in the boat. We're all the same. We'll sit on the floor with you. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Christmas. This story that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in fear that you're going to be angry with us, that you're going to, put, you're not going to, you're going to stop putting up with us, that you're going to be done with us. We don't have to live in fear that, that your people will judge us and be angry with us or find out who we are, that we're frauds, that we're failures, that we, we're not good enough. Because the story of the gospel, the story of Christmas, is that you did not send a servant or send somebody else, but you came, you left heaven, came to earth so that you could get us. 
and you were treated poorly, you were treated terribly, you were, beat, you were beaten, you were betrayed, you were mocked, you were laughed at, you were not trusted, you were tortured and put to death. That was a part of your plan too, that you would endure all that so that you could make us a part of your family. So God, this morning, there's two groups of people in here. There are people in here who have been afraid to open up their hearts, to open up their lives and to come and find a church to plug into. Or maybe they're, they're, they're here, but they're just, you know, just every now and again people because they don't want to get too close because the closer they get, the messier everyone sees that they are. So God, if that's them this morning, I pray that you would open up their heart and show them that you have came for people like them, that it's messy, that they don't have to be afraid because you've paid for all their sin, you've taken care of it, and you've came for shepherds just like them. And God, there are other people in this room. They know how bad they are, but they know your great love. God, you want to use them this holiday season to show the world, to show people and their family, to show their friends what you are like. And that maybe they need to walk down an aisle and get on their, sit down next to some weird dude and welcome them. So God, this morning, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you've never opened their heart to you and just been afraid to take that step, God, would you show them this morning that We've all had to take it. We've all had to come and say, okay, there's nothing to be afraid. God accepts me for who I am, and he makes me whole. He makes me new. He forgives me. That's you this morning when we sing this song. Me and I'm going to be standing up here, and there's some guys on the side that we would love to just talk to you about how you can know, know the Lord, how you can be made, made new like Dorian was that was displayed this morning in his baptism. If you're here, though, and you would say, God, I need you to use me so I can show other people that truth. I don't want anyone to ever think I'm judging them or looking down on them. Help me to, help me to embody that. Maybe just want to come up here and pray for your family, pray for your friends that you'll be around this holiday season. That you might be the light to show them that God takes dirty, filthy shepherds, and you're, of which you're the, you're the dirty and filthiest. God, wherever we're at this morning, would you call us to respond the way you want us to? Maybe we just need to stand and sing. Maybe we need to come and pray about something. Maybe we need to talk about it. That's good. Sometimes we're so afraid to come walk up here because, oh, people might look at us. That's okay because these people love you. These people want your good. Just like you do. Thank you, Father. Give us the courage. In Jesus' name we pray all these people said. Stand and sing. Thank you.